This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, more often than not, listeners contact me asking for help with breakups, loss, anxiety, depression, you name it. It's a chronic problem and it needs to be addressed by a professional. If you're feeling down, overwhelmed, or just at your wit's end about what to do to feel better, then BetterHelp may be for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and to help. Talk with a counselor in a private online environment on your own terms from wherever you'd like. BetterHelp counselors are experts in a wide variety of topics like self-esteem, depression, anxiety, loss, and they can get you access to help that otherwise might not have been possible in your area. So simply go now, fill out a quick questionnaire to assess your specific needs and to get matched with your perfect counselor in under 48 hours. Join over 1 million other BetterHelp users that are taking back control of their mental health with the help of experienced BetterHelp counselors. If for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional cost. BetterHelp is an affordable option for mental health counseling, and as an Unleash Love listener, you get 10% off your first month with our discount code UNLEASH. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash unleash. That's betterhelp.com forward slash unleash. Start talking with a therapist online and get better help. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Unleash Love. My name is Clamo Young, and I am your host. Today, I'm joined by Mansi Dolakia, who is the CEO and founder of Global Mental Health Association. Now, they run major initiatives around the world for education and healthcare awareness, especially around emotional intelligence, which is what we're going to focus on. They introduce it into schools, universities, and for healthcare workers. Now, she's trying to make major changes to mental health care in the UK and India by bringing 24-7 helplines to those in need. I really enjoyed this episode, and I think that especially if you're suffering from anxiety, chronic negative self-talk, and really just any challenging mental emotional mindset, that you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Finally, this is a marked change from the previous approach of the podcast, where I usually invite people I've personally met in real life to talk about their experiences. From now on, I'm going to be inviting more professionals like Mansi to talk about things that I think are going to be of great interest to you. And I will strive to keep the very conversational tone that I've come to enjoy in these discussions. If you like this podcast, please do rate and review it in the Apple podcast platform. Every single one of these gives us the opportunity to reach more people and to spread our message. Thank you. Last year was a little bit scattered and uh, just trying to pull myself together because I had some major shifts happening. Um, I changed uh, countries and uh, I you know, wanted to start a few initiatives uh, here in India. And I only moved in November 2019. And then the pandemic happened in February, you know, March 2020. 
So it was like a roller coaster, um, to be honest, and a uh, lot of things happening. And at the same time, uh, I personally suffer from anxiety um, and I've suffered from depression in the past as well. So it was quite a major challenge for me to keep a balance, you know, between um, looking after my personal health as well as trying to do all these new things that I wanted to do. You, would, you still suffer from anxiety to this day? Yes, I do. But obviously you found a, a, a way to manage that. Yes. Um, so I, the symptoms, you know, um, sometimes just occur when I'm stressed out too much or um, when I am about to do some new things, you know, I still feel the panic inside me. So it has not gone away completely. Uh, and I'm very honest about it. Um, but yeah, I have found ways around it, how to manage it better and how to handle it better. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show as well that even though someone who like yourself, who, you know, is very obviously professional and highly functional, because I've seen your LinkedIn feed. I mean, if anyone's highly functional, <laughs> you're it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, but it just goes to show that anxiety is something that really can be such a pervasive you could say illness, but let's just say condition. Um, and, and so if anyone who is in a, you know, like a, a position where they need to function and they feel constantly, uh, you know, compromised by their, you know, anxiety, I think that's, that's just telling of how, how pervasive this is in society, you know? Yes. Um, it's, it's, I think if I have to choose a word, it would be exhausting. Mm, yeah. So um, it's extremely exhausting. And um, yes, um, you know, we all need to find our personal ways to work around it and overcome it and, um, you know, have the game face on when we are, I mean, especially somebody like me, I'm associated in various initiatives around the world currently. And um, it's um, it's very time consuming. I mean, all the all the creativity that goes behind it. Uh, and yes, anybody who has seen my LinkedIn, I keep up with all the posts and everything because I truly feel that, uh, you know, that is one way of helping anybody out there who is reading it. And I do get many random messages um, saying, you know, thank you for the post and it has really spoken to me and it has helped me in such difficult times. I mean, from leaders who are directors of companies to employees to, I mean, all, all sorts of people, you know, have reached out to me and personally kind of dropped me a message to say that, you know, thank you for posting that. So, yeah. Yeah. It seems to be something that, that I think people need to see someone talking about it before they feel like they can, you know, do it from their side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, if you look at my uh, previous posts on LinkedIn, I mean, when I started talking about my anxiety and, you know, how I'm functioning um, despite of it and how I'm functioning even with it and what are the ways around it. And so I think 
people connect um, with people who are honest about how they feel and how they are functioning, what they are doing, um, I don't see it as a sign of weakness and I rather see it as a sign of strength. And I think that is the strength that I want to portray across the world of how you can function and you know what all things you can do um, despite having whatever weakness that you might have. So that is a loud and clear message um, out there, you know. Yeah, permission. I, I, I've seen this happen over and over again, not, not just with anxiety, but with just personal growth in general. Yes. It's, it's almost like we're, it's almost like we're frozen by kind of maybe these rules that we've made for ourselves in our heads about how we need to operate and weakness that we, you know, perceived to have about certain things. Mental health has always carried that stigma with it. When did you start to feel, you know, threatened by, you know, your anxiety? Oh, um, I have had a lot of personal struggles in my life. Um, I, uh, there was physical abuse in my marriage and there were times when despite having like a four bedroom house, I have, you know, slept out uh, uh, in my car or uh, out on the street in, in London. And um, when, when there were all those low points that I faced uh, in my life and I just, you know, one day it just, I just thought that, okay, nothing worse can happen, you know, rather, I mean, what is the worst that can happen? This is the worst thing. Despite having a house, despite having everything, if I am, you know, out there on the road because I feel threatened in the house and because I, um, you know, feel claustrophobic inside and I just cannot stay inside my house, um, how much worse can it get? I mean, so... I think once you go through all of that and then when you start thinking logically of coming out of it and that is where your personal transformation comes into picture, you know. Um, so I think out of all those low points, that is what I felt in my life that uh, I moved to India only with my suitcases in my hand and uh, it was like an overnight move, you know. It was not planned. It was not... Um, that, okay, this is what I want to do now. It just happened. And I, I landed at the airport in India just with, you know, my bags full of my clothes and that was it. I did not have anywhere to go. My parents were not in India. Uh, they were in US. I did not have any family here where I could go to. But because I was born and brought up in this country, it just felt like home to me. Um, and in that, those times of distress, I just felt like, okay, this is where I want to start again, you know? Um, and then slowly from there, I literally, I mean, when I came at the airport, I was sitting there for quite three, four hours when I came outside the airport. And during those times, you know, and I was trying to think, what is it that I want to do now? And how is it that I can make it happen? Mm. Did you, did you try to, uh, look for help when you were in the United Kingdom and how did that go? I, Yes, I mean, um, I have, I had seen counselors in the United Kingdom. I had, uh, you know, I was taking, there were pills described to me for anxiety as well. So um, whatever help the system gave me, but obviously that wasn't enough because what was happening was that when I would have a panic attack and if I would wanted help then and there, that was never available. 
You see, the system in the United Kingdom is not equipped to deal with um, preventative mental health care, if I may put it that way. So basically, when I started having signs of anxiety and I wanted to reach out for help at that point in time, I was not the anxiety was not diagnosed. They just said that, you know, it might be a temporary symptom, it might go away. Then they gave me pills. Then after a while, when I started having these major panic attacks, at one point, my heart rate shot up to, I don't know, 155 or something. And they had to take me into emergency. They did all the cardiology tests, etc. But see, that point wouldn't have come if I would have seen the counselors by then and if I was prescribed therapy by then, but I wasn't. So... Um, so, yeah, so there are a lot of gaps in the system, although NHS um, is, you know, very has a very strong system of healthcare. But when it comes to mental health, especially preventative mental health care, there isn't a system in place um, because of which the quality of life gets affected. So when in the end, when I was prescribed therapy, you know, it was the time limit was like in six to eight weeks, you would see a therapist. Now, in those, six to, in those six to eight weeks, the anxiety and the panic attacks and all of that shot up like crazy, you know. I ended up in emergency like quite a few times in between. So obviously all of that was a waste of money for NHS because I did not have any heart conditions. But every time that my heart rate shot up like that, obviously they were obliged to look into it, right? So... Um, yeah, so that is that is where the gaps lie. And that is something that we are, you know, working towards now when I got associated with Mental Health Change UK, the organization which is um, heading uh, towards some groundbreaking changes in the mental health system. We are trying to bring in a triple five mental health helpline where um, anybody, you know, in the United Kingdom can just pick up the phone, call the helpline, and there would be a therapist available at the other end to at least address the issues then and there. And then they can advise them where, you know, how to go along with it. Um, so that has been much needed since a long time, I mean, and... Um, yeah. So because I personally suffered and, you know, I personally have gone through the system. I personally know how how the system is and where the gaps lie and have been treated by the system. So um, the cause is very, very dear to me, what I'm doing right hmm. now. Yeah, it sounds like a, a journey for sure. And uh, I, I have so many questions. I mean, uh, here's here's one. What What kind of what kind of what kind of system exists in a country that you would that you would say kind of gets it uh, is there is there already exa an example out there that we can look at and say oh that's what we need to have i think uh, new zealand has uh, an impressive mental health preventative system in place so they do have the helpline in place and we are trying to follow the similar model trying to bring that model into the united kingdom because they have the helpline in place and the helpline has saved so many lives and billions of dollars as well. Um, so, you know, it just is common sense that if you address the problem then and there, half of the problem does go away because not, not everybody who is at the end of the phone call at, at the you know, other end um, is going to die. I mean, people have suicidal thoughts, people have anxiety, people have depression, but if addressed in the right time, place and moment, that can actually, you know, make a huge impact. Yes, yes. I, I, I think, you know, you, you need to really just put the resources behind the problem if you you want to solve it. And it is a serious problem. And even for 
brands as small as this one, as, as small as Unleash Love, we get messages quite often. And we are a relationships podcasts, but we just so happen to post content about mental health. <clears throat> and we've had messages that have su surprised us, not shocked us because I kind of, you know, expected it. But it's just it just goes to show how widespread these kinds of feelings are and how we really do need to all kind of put our heads together and try to provide some kind of support for it. So that's interesting that you say New Zealand, New Zealand, you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at New Zealand and say they have a mental health problem, but then maybe that's why, maybe that's because they take it seriously. And then when you look at the United Kingdom and you look at the United States, uh, nations like this are riddled with them. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's a very fascinating example you gave. It's like they, their culture is a healthy culture. Everybody knows that. Every, I, I, I've never been to New Zealand, but everything I hear and read about New Zealand, they seem to get things. They seem to figure it, have figured it out. How difficult is it to set up a 555 number here, for example? Honestly, it is not that difficult. Um, you know, we are liaising currently with uh, Minerva, which is uh, a therapist platform. So they provide um, therapists and counselors in under 48 hours. I mean, the current timeline in the UK, which exists currently in the NHS, is about six to eight weeks, right, to see a therapist. If we can get it even in under 48 hours, I think that is very good progress. So, um yeah, it's it's not that difficult, but it's like it, there's a lot of red tape and there is a lot of, you know, um, it's about convincing the government that this is what is needed and it can actually, you know, save lives and save you money. I mean, so it's just common sense. Um, so, yeah, so we are trying to put the logistics together and we are trying to um, do a pilot at least so that we can show the facts and figures and, you know, how it works. So let's see how it works out. Our founder is uh, Alistair Deards, who has founded the Mental Health Change UK. Um, and uh, we have a lot of support from the healthcare community and uh, from, you know, very, various uh, people um, in the United Kingdom, all the right people, uh, thankfully. And uh, so we will see how, how we progress along. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So let's go back to your story then. Um, you, you mentioned that you arrived in India after having, uh, you know, an abusive relationship. I assume you split up with your yes. Uh, yes. partner. Yes. Okay. And so you're here in the airport, you are starting a new life. What, what were the next steps for you? So <clears throat> I think the f the first steps were, you know, how's hunting and trying to figure out, okay, where do I want to live? How can I be placed in a way where I can reach out to the right people and then try and, you know, form a platform. And I wanted to form a global platform. You know, I was not interested in one city, one country, one at a time kind of thing. I just wanted to do something on a massive scale um, or at least start something on a massive scale where there were opportunities and where there were at least talk of reaching out to humanity. Um, and um, mental health is very, very close to my heart, you know, because I think even growing up as a child, um, 
I had a vision where I wanted to do things to help humanity. Um, and especially, you know, understanding emotions and how to use your emotions for, you know, yourself, how to use those emotions um, in, in the right way. Nobody teaches us uh, all these things, Clement, you know, uh, nobody taught, nobody taught me that how to deal with failures in life. Nobody taught me that uh, how, you know, if you are in difficulty, if you are in a difficult situation, what kind of emotions can help you come out of it or what kind of positive thinking can help you come out of it. So um, emotional intelligence I did not know anything about emotional intelligence until a few years ago. And then when I started reading up about it, and emotional intelligence helped a lot of my anxiety issues go away. So um, that that is one thing where, you know, it can come into picture in preventative mental health care, especially. Would you say that, uh, sorry, would you say that emotional intelligence is something that you can learn completely or is it something that you're just you know kind of like you have to have it in your developmental year? no so that is the beauty of emotional intelligence so yes you can learn it um to answer your question i think in the easiest possible way yes you can learn it no it, it's not necessary that you are born with it yes there are people born with it as well who find it easier to learn about it but it can be learned and um there are so many aspects of uh, emotional intelligence which can help you in multiple aspects of your life you know professional personal um in in your relationships in everything emotional intelligence is like a complete package which can um, help you deal with so many difficult situations of life in, in a lot easier way you know life is very unpredictable um, you cannot uh, I mean COVID has taught all of us that that you cannot predict what is going to happen the next minute or the next month or the next year you know um, so I personally know a lot of people who had a lot of difficulty accepting the situation that they were in, you know, considering how many lockdowns happened around the world. And um, suddenly, you know, that things were just enforced upon us that this is the new normal now. This is what it is. And people were not able to accept that. So emotional intelligence helps in all of these things, basically. Absolutely. It, it really does. And I'm glad that you said that because I really wanted to clarify that there's so much work to be done for everybody. I mean, it's the life work of, you know, the greatest, I would say, spiritual people on the planet. It's something that we we must we must strive to have more control over our emotions because those are the those are the causes of a lot of humans suffering today. Um, uh, I learned about emotional intelligence. Like you said, it's not something that you, you get as a course in school, unfortunately. I mean, it should be. When you think about it, it really should be. It's something very foundational, something very basic. Uh, that's not to say it's easy. It's just that it is a basic foundational uh, structure of, of how we kind of like build our lives. Our emotions dictate a lot. And so when I was growing up, I also had similar problems, just like everybody else, you know, I would let my emotions get the better of me, whether that meant it would, it would, it would, it would be a rage or it would be, uh, just going inward and feeling sorry for myself. And 
you, you never hear about this anywhere. Uh, 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 but social media is one of the great technological developments of our of our time. You, now you go online and you can see, and this is where there's another problem begins. You go online and you can see a lot of people talking about how to solve this problem, how to solve that problem. Now, half of them, I would say, you know, you probably want to, you probably want to take it with a grain of salt. Um, I, I, I know how difficult this can be for, for example, a young entrepreneur, a young person who wants to rule the world for whatever reason. Uh, they, they have these ideas that they want to start a business. They, they want to make some more money. And it, what I'm trying to say is if you go online, there's a ton of people who will tell you to, you know, um, how to be more efficient and how to do things more practically. And that's great. But you can get caught up in this loop, which I did, where you're constantly telling yourself, you're feeding off of this idea that you can be more, you can be better, you can be great, you can be, and that's fine. But there's another side of it, which I kind of discovered later on in life, which is you don't always have to be doing something. You don't always have to be accomplishing things to be loved, to be appreciated, to be valued and to be happy with yourself as well. And the reason why I'm going on this kind of tirade is because I think a lot of us today who have anxiety are so stressed out by the requirements that society puts on us to be productive today. And I just had a conversation with someone last night about this. She's she has a crippling anxiety and it's, she always says something to me, you know, when we talk, like, I feel so lazy and down and depressed with myself because I didn't do anything today. And I say, well, what did you do? And she tells me, well, I watered my plants. I rearranged my room. I tidied, you know, we're in lockdown here. There's not much you can do. So my, my kind of thoughts are, I feel like there is a lot of guidance out there but you have to be careful where you get your guidance from, is what I'm saying. Yes. I have developed, you know, a personal development program, um, which uses emotional intelligence to deal with mental health issues. It's basically for preventative mental health care. I'm not saying that I can cure somebody with panic attacks. No, that is not the idea behind it. But people who are, you know, dealing with anxiety issues or people who are dealing with borderline depression at the moment or people who are dealing with, because, you know, the lockdowns have had a huge effect on mental health of people around the world. And uh, that is a fact. So the personal development program, basically, it's a three month program wherein you learn about emotional intelligence, how to use emotional intelligence as a tool for your own personal self-care, how to use emotional intelligence into your professional life to deal with issues that you might be facing at work, um, how to use emotional intelligence into your relationships. And the core of it lies in self-awareness, you know, um, so what you were saying uh, right now about the society pressures and how to deal with things and to be productive all the time. Yes, that is that is very real. That is the expectation. And I think in in all of these things, we kind of lose ourselves. I ask the question always that who are you? 
you know, you are not defined by your job role. You are not defined by the degrees you have. You're not defined by education or, you know, by anything else. Just just try and figure out who, you know, you are and what, what do you really want in life? Um, and it does not always have to be a corporate ladder that you're trying to climb or it does not always have to be, you know, a perfect relationship that you should have. Um, so I think... We all need to introspect into the core of our being, trying to figure out who we are and just let it be sometimes. You know, we all need that time out and we all don't have to constantly be on the go all the time. And yes, with anxiety, I personally realized that myself as well, that sometimes when I'm overdoing things or when I'm constantly on the go, I am now becoming more self-aware that I need to pause. And that pause is extremely i think necessary not only for your self-care but also for being more productive in the future mm -hmm. yeah yeah i wonder i do wonder actually what the the overall impact this uh, lockdown has had on people with pre-existing conditions because uh, i'll tell you something i i've had anxiety for a long time i i think i've i've had ag agoraphobia which is basically for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is it's it's kind of like a fear of social events kind of like a fear of being you know in the middle of people and having attention on yourself uh i've had that at various points in my life um i'm very self-conscious usually and so going into this lockdown for me uh, coming out of a toxic relationship a couple of years ago, late late 2019, was almost like a blessing in disguise. And I'm unique because I, everyone's unique, you know. So this this isn't something I I would expect everyone to have had. But coming out of that experience, uh, that relationship, and having this lockdown was like a blessing because all of a sudden I had to I had to you know just bite my teeth and accept the fact that I wasn't going to be able to go and, and, and do the things that I was used to for distracting myself. And that's the point that I'm trying to get to is, is how most of the people that I've talked to who have kind of chronic mental health uh, conditions are so good at finding things to focus on that do not involve tackling their own uh, thoughts you know we run away from ourselves so easily because it f it feels easier it's it's not as it's not as suffocating i mean if you're suffering from anxiety and and the only way to get through it all to cure yourself is to address those thoughts and those feelings and those beliefs that are causing the anxiety in the first place which is what i think you were basically getting to is like you really need to be introspective and you really need to start thinking about well, yes. what's really causing this. Yes. That's, that's a terrifying prospect yes. for people. It is. I myself have suffered, I mean, panic attacks millions of times. Every time, whenever um, in the past, when I sit down to think about where is this coming from? Why is this happening? And, um, you know, all the thoughts surrounding it, it is terrifying. Um, it, it's not an easy process. I mean, anybody who has suffered anxiety and then who is trying who you know have tried to come out of it who have managed to completely come out of it and who are struggling to come out of it i mean all all of us together have gone through these processes some of us have been successful in identifying those triggers and in identifying those thought processes and dealing with them having closures on you know thoughts that are always flying in our heads 
um, and some of us haven't. Those who haven't, I guess, the thought process in their minds would be such that they keep ignoring those thoughts and trying to just, you know, carry on with their daily routine or tasks, thinking that ignoring it is just going to make it go away. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it, in anything, it can actually make it worse. So, uh, you know, not to pressure people listening to this, but I do really honestly agree with you and I love what you're doing. And I would tell anyone who's listening to really look into it because the longer that we delay these kinds of treatments and uh, help, the, 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 the greater the you know, the greater the anxiety can actually become, uh, my, my relationship that I told you about the, the, the previous relationship that I had was a really challenging one because I was living with someone who had just intense anxiety so much so that it was ruling her life. You know, she, she couldn't even make decisions that were just you and I would think were normal and easy to make because she couldn't bear the thought of what it would mean for her to actually have to live through that. You know, it was, she have to confront herself and deal with all of those beliefs. And so that's why I brought it up. It's a crippling thing. And it's, it's awful to see someone go through those motions and always choose the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the blue pill, right? Like the matrix, you take the red or the blue pill. People that take the blue pill, you know, it's going to have, it's going to come back one day and you, you know, you don't want to wait that long. So, um, I love, I love what you're doing. Um, so now that you're involved with this, uh, this platform and you have your own platform, you mentioned, how would you recommend people actually start to, uh, you know, approach this challenge and where would you tell them to start? I think in order to start, um, you have to start with yourself, right? I mean, all the support and help in the world will not help you if you are not willing to help yourself. So I think um, start if people can start introspecting and then seek support, um, I think without support and without help, it becomes extremely difficult, uh, especially for everybody who has any, you know, form of anxiety for them. I would like to say this, that, um, yeah, try looking into my personal development program as well. You will get ideas at least of where you can start thinking about yourself. Um, even if you don't, even if you don't want to sign up to it, or even if you, uh, you know, don't want to reach out to me for it, but at least you can get a lot of information and help about where you can begin to introspect into yourself and how you can deal uh, with the anxiety issues moving ahead. Um, that is- what really worked for you, just out of curiosity, you know, you, <laughs> you, um, you, you seem to have had a pretty traumatic uh, life to a certain point. And uh, what what was the things that you kind of thought, oh, God, yeah, that's that's what I should have been doing all this time? Um, you know, to be very honest, Clement, a um, lot of things, actually, I I have faced head on challenges whenever I have had um major panic attacks or whenever I've had major anxiety issues, I've tried to face it head on. I've tried to accept it, you know, as whatever feelings are coming to me. Then I've tried journaling and journaling personally has helped me out a lot. 
because when I put mm. all my thoughts down on paper and I can see it in front of me, that all these bubbles which are flying in my head, you know, and when the logical thoughts come down on paper, then I can talk to my brain myself that this is what it is. There is no immediate danger or threat here, you know. Um, so I think a lot of tricks and tips which you can see what works out for you to be honest it's it's very personal it's very individual mm. so there is no there is no set of um measures or set of things which can you know help you out and um although there's a lot of help available on the internet in you know various websites various programs various um therapists also who are trying to help you so but i think um for anxiety i would say that only you can help yourself at the end of the day. Yes. Yes. That is very, very important to understand in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. And all the support and all the help in the world and everything uh, will only make sense. And that will only uh, expedite the helping process, but nothing will help you if you're not willing to help yourself. Um, so do you, do you believe in the, the adage that the, the teacher appears when the student is ready. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, okay. And that is why, you know, in, in my personal development program, which I'm running, I only take like five, there's a group session, so I only take like five people at a time. And currently the waiting list on there is for about three months. So I'm back for three oh, wow. months anyway. So, um, right. yeah, because I, I don't deal with so many people at a time or anything because, you know, it's about personal growth and it's about concentrating on that personal growth, how you want to do it. And it's very individual. Yes, yes. It's, it's very individual, you know, even though I have five, when I'm addressing five people, I know what each one needs at what point. So um, that is the takeaway that they take from the course or, you know, when they are learning about things. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of like a peer group, isn't it? Yes. Uh, they're all, all of them have the same uh, thing in common. Yes. They all, they all recognize the need yes. to, to cure, to cure themselves. Yes. And one of the biggest take, um, one of the biggest takeaways from my personal experiences is that if your peer group isn't helping you, to get where you want to go and that's a that's a, that's a totally different topic is figuring out where you want to go but having a peer group that that doesn't align with that i th i think that's that's one of the biggest things you could do for yourself if you're listening to this my you, you know you've given some really good advice i just want to add that take a look at the people you spend the most time with and if they aren't like, for example, if they're, if they're not supportive of you or if they don't understand what you're trying to do and you can't talk to them about this kind of thing. And if they, you know, criticize you because they think maybe it's just funny, they make fun of you. Um, or, or if they're just interested in things that, you know, you're already over, like you've, you've done that and you're not ready. You, you don't want to do it anymore. Those are the kinds of people I, I would really second get, uh, second guess if you want to have them in your life, because you become, you know, just like the people you spend the most time with. I think that's a very true saying is that, you know, the five people you spend the most time with are who you actually end up becoming. Um, did you, you, you obviously needed to change your 
uh, social group when you left the UK, right? I mean, you needed to, yes, to find I, an entirely new group. Yes, because I was in a different country. And uh, yes, I found, uh, fortunately, I have a, a good friend circle at the moment. And people who have, you know, known my struggles, understood them. Uh, they know where I come from, how far I've gotten to, uh, what I've made myself today, you know. So it's been, it's been a long journey and it's not been easy. But um, fortunately, yes, I have been lucky now that um, even since I started my LinkedIn, you know, I only came on LinkedIn six months ago. And uh, currently I have about, you know, 5,000 followers and I have uh, so many people connected from around the world who have gone through very similar things in life you know, as I have. So I found a good support group. I found um, good people from around the world. And I think uh, it was a blessing in a way that when the pandemic happened and these online support systems, you know, grew even stronger. Um, I mean, we never had these Zoom platforms or conversations before, but the world pandemic, you know, just made it happen that the world came a lot closer. And um, I think those changes, you know, were very beneficiary in a lot of ways because people reached out to people and um, it it just became like a community, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's become so much easier mm. to have that peer group. Mm. You know, it's, I've, I answer core questions every day and I think, um, it's just so telling because the, the questions I'm, I'm stumbling across are things like, how do I find new friends? And, you know, we live in a day and age where you can literally go and speak to somebody, you, you know, anybody in, in the world within a few mouse clicks or a few taps of your phone. Um, just going online now is really kind of like a new peer group that you can just curate so easily in real life. You'd have to spend months, years going out, starting conversations, Very true. trying to figure out. Yeah, exactly. It, it just true. takes a long time. Yeah. We've somehow cut that down to the bare essence of it. And it's great news. It means yeah, you can go and have your own peer group. Yeah. But you know what really makes it happen is your authenticity. Right. I think that is that is the key thing there. I mean, when I started posting, you know, on LinkedIn and writing about my personal journey and, you know, how things have been and what I'm doing. Um, and then when I started doing all those uh, posts about, you know, how you can support yourself better or how what is self-care or, you know, um, there is there is there is multiple range of or if you look at all, or through all my posts, there is a huge wide range there where, you know, I put up different things every day and talk about different things every day. But it comes from a very personal space in my heart. You know, I don't I haven't hired any. Um, uh, what do you say? Who are those people, social media managers or anybody like that to, you know, okay, make up my account and I need followers and I need this, that and the other. No, um, I'm simply myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what has worked for me. If you ask me, if anybody asks me today that, you know, what has worked for you, I think just be yourself and that works out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It, 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 like I said, it's it's difficult. It, it, it's not difficult in the sense that you can do it immediately. You don't have to even, there's no prerequisites to it. I would say the only thing is that we've con convinced ourselves 
to such a degree that we need to be someone else. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's chronic. Uh, I've had that problem. I'm sure you've had that problem. Everybody has that problem at some point where they just think they need to be you know, someone else. And it's hard to get rid of that habit. I mean, just owning up, taking responsibility, you know, these are all great topics for individual podcast episodes. They are so broad and deep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could talk on authenticity and exactly. uh, <laughs> how to be genuine for a very long time. Because, hours. <laughs> uh, yes, for hours, because I have learned that, you know, myself. Um, when I was in the UK and when I was, uh, so I was into the uh, pharmacological sector and uh, I worked into pharmacies, you know, for a long time, 14 years of my career has gone into that. But oh, Wow. Yeah. My father and my brother were pharmacists. Oh, nice. Um, it never satisfied me, you know, the work role, the job role. And I always wanted to do more. I mean, when you reach out and help people, I would go deliver, you know, dosage boxes to the old age homes and uh, explain elderly people how to take them, etc. But I always felt that I know I know I can do so much more than this. Um, and that craving in my heart that I always wanted to do more and it all kind of, you know, came together when I came to India and when I was talking to you about that point in time when I was trying to figure out who I am. Um, and, you know, one day when I sat down and I just I have a huge whiteboard at my home and I just uh, keep drawing charts and diagrams on there of where I want to go, what I want to do and who I am right now and where I want to be, you know, that kind of thing. And um, when I started doing all of that, I, it's like I found myself. And since the day I found myself and my goal and vision and mission and all of the other things just started falling in place you know right right so i think um the message that i would want to give loud and clear out is i know it's very difficult in the times that we are living in currently there will always be people around you who will keep challenging you there will always be people around you who will keep telling you that what you're doing is maybe not the right thing to do or not the right way to go um but i think at the end of the day you have to live your own life Nobody's going to live that for you. So it's very, very important to understand that and to own up to your own authenticity. And the more genuine you will be, you, I mean, trust me, you will attract the similar kind of tribe. Absolutely. Yes, yes. There's so many cheerleaders out there for you. And, you know, we'll be the cheerleaders. You, you can find the cheerleaders uh, around any every corner. You just have to look. It... it what I'm thinking about here is someone who has convinced themselves so deeply, maybe because they've had uh, parents who drilled this message into them that they had to be a certain way, who are kind of thinking, yeah, but you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure because I've, uh, I mean, it's so, it's so deeply kind of woven into my being. Um, well, you know, you just like, again, coming back to the peer group, just you, there are cheerleaders out there who will help you get over, you know, your uh, fear of being yourself. Um, and uh, like I said, these are all podcast episodes. We, we could go into so much detail about each and every one of them. Where can people find you online to get more information? 
Um, so it's uh, mansidhalakya.com. That's my personal website. Uh, the GMHA website is currently being developed and uh, I'll be releasing that soon. But my LinkedIn is always active. So I think the best way to connect to me would be over LinkedIn. Mm, yes, I agree. It's great. You have a great LinkedIn. Um, Mansi, thanks so much for talking to me about all of this. It's so important. This, we're doing we're doing great work here, I think, to, to help solve one of humanity's biggest challenges. Yes, definitely. I am always happy to come and speak about things. And uh, if, you know, we can reach out to even, you know, a um, few number of people who are out there listening. And if it helps anybody at all, I think I count that as a success. 